Please be seated. Nevertheless, she persisted. She was saying things that were perhaps already on record, and yet God fell silent. Nevertheless, she persisted. This woman from the land of Canaan, this outsider, persisted. Jesus ignored her first request. Even the disciples themselves were saying, come on, Jesus, do something with her. You've got to get this riffraff out of here. She's just creating a lot of noise and ruckus. It's a bit ambiguous, but it seems like he continues to ignore her and respond to the disciples, saying that he has come specifically for the lost sheep of Israel. Nevertheless, she persisted. She begs, kneeling before Jesus. Her faith in this man, this guy, this Jesus from this town, Nazareth, this itinerant teacher, this carpenter from the backwoods of this small town, kept her there. Her faith, having her kneel before him, respecting him as a master or lord over her, despite Jesus' apparent lack of attention, this seeming cold shoulder, despite his own entourage trying to keep this foreign woman away from this inner circle. She persisted. She had this faith that this man that she had heard about, this healer, could exercise the demons of her daughter. Have mercy on me, she says. Help me, Lord. This mother, so tormented by the pain of her daughter, that she begged Jesus to have mercy on her by healing her daughter. Jesus, stop my suffering by stopping the suffering of my own daughter, possessed by these demons. And so she persisted. This persistence, this patience, this endurance, this faith that this woman had, Let's be honest. Often when we approach God, when we pray, we petition to God for things. And we can feel perhaps the same as this Canaanite woman that we hear about in Matthew's account. We often can feel the same that she feels as her encounter begins, that we don't get a response. Not first, at least. Not immediately. We don't get the response that we perhaps want to hear. When we approach God and we pray, 
We pray to bend God's ear to our entreaty, to our pleas. We can often feel by our own faults or the faults of others or the faults of the world that God is distant, that God is silent or slow to act. Even Jesus himself did. Jesus himself felt this. Like in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying so fervently, he sweated blood. God, if, if you can, let this cup pass from me. He even felt this distance as he hanged from the cross, crying out with the words of Psalm 22, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Nevertheless, we persist. We persist in our prayers, in our faith. Is it that we we think that if we keep praying, we can change God's mind? I don't necessarily think it's like that. I don't think God's mind changes in this sort of wishy-washy way, but, but our perception and our comprehension of God's will changes, that's for sure, when we pray and we encounter God. God reveals more of who God is across time. Yes, Jesus does come across as pretty cold in this gospel account. Perhaps this is one of his very human moments that we've seen throughout many of the gospels. But it's not really a lesson that if we simply pray hard enough or pray more times, that if we beg hard enough, that we can change God, that we can make God do whatever we want God to do. God's not a vending machine. We don't put in prayers like a dollar bill and get a little blessing out like a bag of chips. But God is close. God is nearby and has promised always to be with us as God sent God's own self in Christ Jesus. God is nearby. God is before us. And God hears the cries of God's people. God hears our pleas for help, for mercy. And God heals all of our wounds. If we but have the faith, like this woman from Canaan, that this Jesus, this Christ, this anointed one, is the ultimate healer, the healer of all wounds, and the maker of all wholeness. Jesus remarks and notes for all to hear, Woman, great is your faith. She persisted. Was this a moment for God to change God's mind like we change our minds day in and day out? 
God changing God's mind from only saving a few exclusive to saving all nations? No. That was always God's plan all along. To redeem all of creation. Perhaps this was a moment for God to reveal some of God's glorious grace through this unnamed woman. This foreign woman. This beggar. This woman ridden off by the disciples themselves. This woman tormented by her love of and her connection with her own tormented daughter. This faithful woman. She persisted in this back and forth with Jesus, the Holy One, the Anointed One, standing before her. She persisted in this this sort of a wrestling match with God as Jacob did. She persisted. We often perhaps can see, and the church is painted in this image, the church, the, the community of believers, not just the Sunday morning act of worship, but there's often this perception that it's a space where people aren't allowed to argue with God. But it's not a lawsuit. It's not a debate. There's no winner or loser. It's an engagement with God, an encounter. It is faith. And so we persist. We persist in our faith, in the faith that God is near us, that God hears us, that our God heals us, that our God is gracious and loves us. We persist in our prayers, our engagement with God, and if in our faith in a world that has all this messaging that faith is declining, that faith is dying, faith is dead. We are post-faith. In our faith, we persist that our God is alive and active and healing and moving in our hearts and in our world. We persist in our faith, not in our own righteousness, trusting in God's manifold mercies, knowing that despite our shortcomings and our turnings away, we are not worthy even to gather up the crumbs under God's table. And we persist in the faith that God is always merciful and that God is always gracious. We persist in the faith that God is gracious even in those times when we feel like God is cold and distant and silent. That God's grace reveals God's ultimate glory. We persist in our faith that God's grace to us and through us reveals 
God's mercy. And so, in our faith, we persist. Amen.